1: Hey everyone, this is Stefan from projectlifemastery.com and today I'm being joined with my beautiful girlfriend Tatiana from the Lux Biz YouTube channel. And today we're going to share with you guys the three biggest problems, challenges, mistakes, or failures that we've each faced while building our online businesses. And one of the reasons why we decided to do this is because I think there's a lot of value in just showing and demonstrating for you guys that failure, challenges, adversity... Making mistakes, these are all part of the journey. They're all part of the process. I mean, we've been through a lot of different challenges and, and, and mistakes and failures to get to where we're at today. And anyone that's successful has also gone through the same things. And so, as you're building your journey, you're building your business, understand that it's normal, that you're going to go through challenges and adversity and problems and failures. And the most important thing that we want to demonstrate in this video is to actually share with you guys how we overcame. The challenges and the most important lessons that we've each learned with the different problems and challenges that we've each faced uh, in our business career. So hopefully that you guys can learn from this, you guys can learn from our mistakes, and you guys can maybe have a lot smoother path uh, to getting to where you, where you guys want to go. But uh, let's dive into it. Do you want to go? First?
2: yeah. So if you guys are new to our channels, uh, I'm Tatiana. I have a business where I sell body contouring garments for women. I sell them on Amazon, but primarily on my website, luxhealth.com. And I do have two YouTube channels. So I have my Lux Health channel where I talk about waist trainers, health, more personal stuff. And then I also have my Lux Biz channel uh, where I talk strictly about Amazon FBA and business. So, uh, let me dive into number one, my biggest, maybe not my biggest challenge, but one of the biggest challenges I had. And the first one was when I decided to kind of stray away from what I was doing and dive into creating apparel a line. Um, so, for me, I... So clothing.
1: Yeah, clothing. clothing
2: I wanted to create a clothing brand. And the reasoning behind that was because we had just come back from Ethiopia, and it was such a... Um, emotional trip and I just experienced so much there and I wanted to find a way where I could contribute back on a consistent basis. So I thought if I created an apparel line, I'd be able to donate 100% of the profits to uh, Ethiopia. And that was my intention with the apparel line, and the problem was I didn't do any research ahead of time. I didn't do any research to collect data to see if that's what my followers wanted, to see if that's what my customers wanted. I just assumed that it was something that they would be interested in. So I spent a lot of time, guys, a lot of time doing the designs and going back and forth with designers, creating the website, setting everything up, um, and, Then I did a launch and when I did the launch it was not a good launch. I didn't have any kind of marketing stuff, I didn't have materials, I didn't have good photos, I didn't have videos, I didn't really go out with a bang and then I kind of just put myself out there and I said hey you can buy the apparel now and there's crickets, <laughs> there's no sales. And it's like, what's going on? I thought people wanted this. And actually, prior to actually launching, I, I put out some designs on my Facebook group where I have all my customers, and I asked them, hey, would you guys be interested in wearing this shirt? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I can't wait till it comes out. And one thing that I learned is what people say is very different than what people will do. And what I should have done is I should have said, hey, I'm coming up with this design. If you're interested, please, put a pre-order in so pre-order the shirts ahead of time because when there's money involved it's very different everyone will say yes i'll buy but when they actually comes down to it and they have to put their money down and take the money out of their wallet that's a different story so if i had done that i would have really had more data to tell me that okay they're interested or they're not interested and i didn't do that so I spent all this time, and it it was costly, it costed money, but more importantly than the money is the time. Time is much more valuable to me, and all this time kind of just went down the drain. And um, I'm sure I could have found ways to market it more and help it grow, but I just got so busy with other things that it just didn't succeed, and I ended up just closing the whole thing down. So my lesson out of that was to do your research. And oftentimes what I see with Amazon sellers is they, they watch these videos on YouTube and they say, well, this is so cool. Amazon selling is so easy. I should start selling on Amazon. And then they say, oh, actually I, I love these earrings that I wear all the time. I'm going to try and sell those on Amazon. But just because you love something doesn't mean that's what the Amazon market loves. You have to do the research. You have to get the data. So what you gotta do is you gotta go on Amazon, type in the keyword for those earrings, and see what uh, comes up. See if those the sellers who are selling those earrings are actually making sales. So I find that this is kind of the biggest challenge for a lot of new sellers because they get very emotionally involved and they feel like I want to love this product. I want to do something I'm passionate about, but sometimes what you're passionate about or the products that you may love the most, they just don't have a big market. And you can't just look at what's selling worldwide or selling in your country. If you're selling on Amazon specifically, you need to look on Amazon to see if the sales are there. So that was my, my first yeah. biggest challenge. So
1: do, do your research. That's, some, that's kind of similar to a similar story uh, that I had too. But it's not just for physical products. It's for any business that you want to create, any product that you want to sell. You have to make sure there's a demand there. And I think one thing you touched on, which is very important, is is what people say and what they do are two different things. Mm-hmm. So even though people might say, you could do your research, you could survey people, and they say, oh yeah, I would buy that or I would wear that or whatever, but oftentimes people will say that, but when it comes to actually spending the money, investing the money, that's a totally different thing mm-hmm. because often you come to those people like, hey, I've got this ready. You guys you know, said that you would buy this or you're interested in this, but then all of a sudden people have a story, an excuse or some sort of reason why they're, they're not gonna buy it all of a sudden. So, What I found with that is I think the pre-order is a very powerful technique that as you're spending all this time, you spend a lot of time, I remember preparing everything and you're, you're sitting up doing Shopify and the design, all that sort of stuff. As you're doing those things and you're preparing, if you can have an easy way to collect orders in advance, at least then it validates that people are actually willing to spend the money. In which case, when you see that, and you tell people, hey, you know what, this is in construction right now, it's gonna be available on this date, this time, then, then you have proof. You've proven and validated the concept, the idea that you had. It's kind of similar to someone uh, running like an Indiegogo campaign. Or a Kickstarter. Yeah, or a Kickstarter, where you can put out your idea there, and then you can start collecting orders while you're in the production and and, and and creating everything. And I think by doing that, what you could have done is like, if nobody was willing to place any pre-orders, then it kind of is like, you, you would kind of saved yourself that yes. time later yeah. on because you would have been like, you know what, there's actually clearly not a big enough demand that yeah. people aren't willing to put in some sort of pre-order for this. So maybe instead you could have, hey, you know what, you could have maybe started off smaller, you could have gotten feedback, you could have change your approach a little bit, or maybe you just would have determined, you know what, if people aren't willing to give money now for this and pre-order it and just maybe wait a few weeks or a few months to get it shipped to them, Mm -hmm. then what makes you think that they're going to do it all of a sudden when when they can get it shipped to them in the next week? You know what I mean? So I think just kind of testing that, testing the waters to see and starting, you know, before you invest all this time and all this money, maybe there's little micro ways that you can test to see how hot the the market is, how hot the demand is for the product. Yeah,
2: totally. And I think that because I went into this idea straight out of Ethiopia with all these good intentions of making 100% proceeds go to charity, um, it's almost like all my business sense went out went out of my mind. I just kind of had blinders on. I said, I have to do this. And this is a great idea. And it's like, I just wasn't being smart about it. So I think, yeah, just making sure that you have that data and making sure that you test the market as, as well as you can before you go through with things and invest time and money.
1: And, and you can't make your decisions off emotions. You have to use yes. logic as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same thing with investing too. I mean, you can invest... Hey, I'm passionate about this company, and so I want to invest in it. But you also have to use your logic, your common sense, your research to really make sure that whatever you are investing in is gonna, you know, go up, have a great return. You have to. Yeah, emotion's powerful; it's great motivator, but also using your logic and your business sense as well. So, how about I share one of mine? So, I'm actually going back to the early days. I was thinking back to when I first started my online businesses. And if you're brand new and you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Stefan James, and I have I've been doing online business, online marketing for over ten years now, and I've been in so many different online business models, from selling information products to affiliate marketing to Amazon FBA to publishing books and audiobooks on Amazon to selling software to coaching, consulting, events, a variety of different online business models, but. Um, when I was maybe around 22, 23 years old, when I first started learning about online business and online marketing, at the time, I was a dating coach. So I had an offline business that was based in Vancouver, Canada, where I was doing coaching consulting for men to help them improve their confidence, their social skills and, and their dating and relationships. And I discovered this world of online business, online marketing. I was blown away by it, and I was at the time trading my time for money. So I'd get paid when I would, you know, spend an hour with a client. Then I'd get paid for that hour. But then I learned that in order to grow and scale my income, I needed to learn how to make passive income, not active income, but passive income. So instead, I could leverage myself by creating an ebook. So at the time, that's what like everybody was doing is all about creating an ebook. So I could package this information, my my mindset, my strategies, my information into a book. And then I could sell that on my website. Back then, I didn't really know about Kindle publishing. I don't even think Kindle publishing was, was available back then. So uh, for the most part, it, you'd have um, like a website that have this long form sales letter on it. And you would basically offer the book and then you'd sell the book. I was selling the book for around 20 to 30 bucks. I, I kind of played with different price points uh, for it. Um, but it was basically a dating book of me sharing my experiences, my story, things that helped me. Um, and I'd spent a year writing this book. Um, I remember how much time that went into writing this book and, and you know, long nights. And I was such a perfectionist about this book um, that I really wanted to make sure it was a super high quality book, that it was perfect. And sure enough, when you have that perfectionism standard, oftentimes you just delay things forever. And um, that's what ended up happening. It took me over a year to write this book and i had to learn all these marketing skills of how to write sales copy and how to put everything together and how to deliver a pdf and how to collect the payment all that sort of stuff that went into this and i remember i finally was so excited cuz i thought that once i put this book out there i'm going to make all this money i'm going to make this passive income it's all everything's going to be great and sure enough i did and similar experience to you not much happened <laughs> crickets and, uh, you know, nobody, uh, I, I think I got it, I did get a few sales, um, but for the amount of time, energy, money, effort, everything that I put into this, um, I was rather disappointed with the result of it. Um, you know, for me, the lesson is kind of similar to yours, is I didn't do, take the time to actually research and identify what did people want, what are they searching for, what are they willing to buy, um, doing as much research as possible, but also surveying people uh surveying and actually talking to the potential customers and, and, and asking for their, their feedback on everything you know I think there's tremendous value in getting feedback from your potential demographic of customers on the title you know what kind of title really moves you engages you gets your attention how about the cover of this book um, you know how about the price you know would you buy this book for twenty bucks thirty bucks ten bucks What's the price point that you would feel that this book would be worthwhile for you? And just compiling as much of that as possible. And then also I think the lesson that I learned from that too is um, you, know, you can do all the research in the world, but you don't really know until you actually get something out there. But the mistake that I made was being too much of a perfectionist. And one thing that I often teach now, my, I've got a publishing course where I teach people how to publish books on Amazon and whatnot. Is I often tell people, you know, if you're just getting started and you're uncertain about a certain market, do the research, but you don't have to start with, with a long book. You don't have to spend a year writing a book. You don't have to put all this time, energy into, into something like that, and then take that level of a risk that I took. I don't want people to take that level of risk. So often what I teach and recommend for people is once you've identified and you've researched a market, start off with a smaller book. You know, maybe start off with a book that you're just going to sell for 99 cents to two ninety nine. It could be a 20, 30, 40, 50 page book, um, you know, great quality book that can still deliver the value based on that price point. But you don't have to go off and write, you know, a 400 page book and, and, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, you could do that. There's obviously people that do it. But um, making sure you do the research in advance and, and start small. And for me, that mindset and that approach has really served me because, and also a lot of people that I teach, because they can start off with a smaller book, they can validate that it's you know, selling, get a few sales. And once it is selling, you go back, you make the book better, you improve it. You, you've now validated and proven that there's a market, there's a demand here, in which case you can make that book longer and better and higher quality. And you, you've now, uh, the risk that you took is a lot less. Versus on the other hand, if you put out a, a short book and you, know, you put it out there and nobody buys it, well, at least you didn't spend a year like I did. At least you didn't spend all this money and time and everything and you can move on to the next one, learn the lessons quick from that. And that risk, is, it's not a big risk. It's, it's a lot less. Um, so really just kind of learning from, from that the best way you can. But also I think for me with the challenges that I faced uh, going through that experience is I didn't realize till later on in my journey Everything that I learned in that process was so valuable today. So learning copywriting, learning how to, you know, uh, create a little website and write all those skills have benefited me so much today, today in my business and understand that whatever challenge or problem or failure you might be going through right now, you might not see the true value of what you've learned from that for maybe a few years later down the road. You know, so for me, that experience was like 10 years ago and I've been able, because of that experience, even though I didn't make much money from it, that's actually allowed me now today to make hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars because of the the valuable lessons that I had learned by going through that experience 10 years ago. So There's always value in, in, in any event of your life, any experience that you have.
2: Yeah. I love that. And I love that you touched on perfectionism because mm-hmm. actually I um, I surveyed the people who've done coaching through me for Amazon FBA. And after six months, I like to know, you know, if they're not making money on Amazon, what's going on? Like what is happening here? Because after six months, you should be making some income. And the number one reason was perfectionism. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. So what happens is people get into this trap of analysis paralysis because they're trying to be so perfect with everything that they do that it just everything takes so much longer and they never actually take a step forward. So that that's such an important thing to remember. Mm-hmm. So my second challenge uh, is more of like a technical one. And it's where I... You know, so for my business, I send a lot of wire transfers. Wire transfers are a very affordable way to send wire uh, to send money to a supplier or to a fulfillment center overseas. Uh, very affordable, and so I do several wire transfers per month. And I was working with a new supplier, and so I had to send them a wire transfer uh, for the goods that I was buying. And I ha- sent them the full amount straight away. And whenever you send a wire transfer, it's good to send a small amount of money, maybe $10, $20, just to make sure that you have all the correct information. So I didn't when it goes through. So I didn't do that. I just sent the full amount straight away. And I was sending this money to China. And in China, they're very particular about uh, the receiving information of the wire transfer. The name has to be exactly spelled correctly, the dots, the commas, everything needs to be meticulous. And I kind of, because I do so many per month, I was just like, yeah, it's good, it's good, it's good. So I sent the money, and then a couple weeks later, they still hadn't received it, and I was getting a little concerned, you know, why haven't you received it? And so finally, I found out that uh, because I had done something wrong with the way I entered in the information, the wire ended up in someone else's account. And I said, I have no idea how this happened, Um, but there ended up being nothing that they could do for me. The bank said, I'm sorry, this is your mistake, you signed off on it. Um, And I knew that it was my mistake, and so I lost a lot of money doing that. And for me in that moment or throughout those months, I could have been very frustrated and very mad, uh, both at myself, but also at the clerks who worked at the bank and just blaming everyone else. But I think it's really important in those moments to take responsibility, to see the situation for what it really is. And what really happened was yes, the clerk may have entered the information themselves, but I signed off on it, I reviewed it. So when you take full responsibility for everything that happens in your life, the good and the bad, Things just get easier. And so, um, I didn't burn any bridges that day. I didn't yell at anyone in the bank. I didn't, uh, make anyone miserable. And so I kind of just went home and I accepted it for what it was as a loss, but as an important lesson. As you touched on, you know, all these challenges, they're lessons in life. And so that was an expensive lesson, but it was something that I would now know for the rest of my life to make sure that whenever I do send a wire transfer, I make sure that the information's correct. And about five months later, all of a sudden, I see this money back in my bank account. And I was like, wow, what a surprise. Like, that's pretty cool. So somehow I got the money back. And honestly, I think it's just like, (laughs) Law of attraction. I don't know how it happened. They didn't explain it to me. Because you had
1: followed up the bank. Many times they had said there's nothing they can do. Yeah, they said there's nothing they
2: could do. And I think it's because I just remained positive, in positive contact with the bank. I never, you know, a good relationship. And so I think they were constantly working on my case for me. And eventually, you know, five months later, when I absolutely thought the money was gone forever, um, it showed up in my account. And they didn't even contact me about it. I one day logged into my banking and I said, where is this money from? So um, yeah, it turned out to it worked really well, and I, I learned a really uh, valuable lesson from that. So be very careful with your wire transfers.
1: Mm. And I think you know not only that too, but just making sure because we've also had issues before where you're getting paid money too, and you're not receiving the money because oh, yes. you know if somebody owes you money, a customer or some sort of affiliate agreement or whatever it is, and they send the money but you didn't receive it. You have to really be on top of the finances yes. of your business because. That's the most important thing in allowing you to grow your business. You have to, you know, oftentimes people get carried away in the marketing and all these different things but, you know, you have to make sure, especially when receiving money or sending money, that it goes through, mm-hmm. the information is correct, if it gets rejected, if you didn't receive a certain payment. You've got to investigate that. You've got to make that a high priority in your business.
2: Yeah, just a little story on that. That's, that's a really important point, is just being organized. Have spreadsheets for your business, mm-hmm. all the incoming and outgoing money, where it's going. Um, for me, I was supposed to receive around $20,000 um, in a a thing in the affiliate thing that I did and I didn't notice it. And they sent me the money. They told me that they sent the money, but the wire transfer got declined. And so it wasn't until like seven months later that I was looking at my banking and I saw, wait a minute, where's this money? So if I didn't actually point that out and tell them that would have been $20,000 that I didn't receive that was owed to me. So it's really important to always follow up with people, be on top of things with your banking, and just be super organized. Yeah.
1: So listen guys, we've got three more that we're gonna share with you guys. I got two more that I'm gonna share and one more for Tatiana, but we're gonna do this over on Tatiana's YouTube channel, her Lux Biz YouTube channel. So there should be a video that's gonna appear somewhere here that you can click on to watch part two. Uh, I'll also link this in the, the description as well for you guys to go and check it out or search for LuxBiz, L-U-X-X-B-I-Z on YouTube to watch and learn from the other mistakes, challenges, and failures that we've had. Thanks for watching. We'll see you again soon. Bye, Thanks for joining me today and listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or received any value,